Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of the Global Heart Failure Academy and is brought to you by Medtelligence. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hyperkalemia is common in patients with heart failure on therapy, especially in those patients where their condition is more advanced and complicated by other factors such as diabetes. Optimized therapeutic management is challenging and requires a multidisciplinary approach to improve outcomes. Today, we will be reviewing treatment options for a patient with heart failure and diabetes who's at high risk for hyperkalemia. This is CME on ReachMD, and I am Dr. Anthony Baez-Genis. And I'm Dr. Patrick Frissignol. So, Tony, can you start us off with a patient case? Tell us about someone you've seen recently with FREF on diabetes who has a history of frequent hyperkalemia and was not on GDMT. What are the challenges? Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Uh, so let, let me start with a patient that is 65-year-old man that has HEVREF. It's in New York Heart Association Class 2 with CKD3B, diabetes mellitus, and a history of myocardial infarction. This patient has a key medications, including GDMT, but probably not at the appropriate doses, carbidolol 15 milligrams, enalapril 10 milligrams, spironolactone 25 milligrams, and dapagliflozin 10 milligrams. Despite of that, the patient comes with symptoms of fatigue, and on NT-Pro BMP, we see uh, 1,002 picograms per milliliter, and looking to the kidney function, it's an EGFR of 38 milliliter minute square meter, and a potassium of 5.6 milliequivalents per liter. So we have this patient, uh, Patrick, that... Uh, is complicated, it's heart failure, it's kidney dysfunction, it's diabetes, and despite the medication, potassium is high. So these are the kind of patients where we have a high risk of mortality, both in the end of hyperkalemia as well as in the end of hypokalemia, but these patients is with a potassium of 5.6. So we know that normalizing potassium is associated with reduced risk of mortality in heart failure. And that's what we have to do to our patient. Uh, there are a number of things what we, that we can do. Um, we as cardiologists often do increase frosomide dose. And increasing frosomide dose uh, is very intuitive and is very quick. But we need to remember that high doses of loop diuretics limit the uptitration of RASI. And in some studies, they were associated with worse outcomes. So this is something that we need to, to take consideration about. And uh, later on, I would like your opinion about this. The second thing we can do is to reconsider RASI option. This patient was on enalapril. We know that sacubitril-valsartan may be better in a patient with heart failure and CKD because it's more renoprotective sacubitril-valsartan than enalapril, as well as potassium levels are better controlled with sacubitril-valsartan than enalapril. This was demonstrated by the Paradigm study. And it's also very important to say that with sacubitril-valsartan, in the presence of MRA, there is less hyperkalemia. So again, combining heart failure, uh, diabetes, and the kidney, things go even better. So Patrick, uh, do you agree in uh, doing this change of uh, switching enalapril to sacubitril-valsartan? 
Well, Tony, uh, these points are all well taken. As a nephrologist, of course, uh, I would avoid to uh, titrate furosemide unless the patient is really congested. Switching from enalapril to sacubitifrazatan is wise as well. But as a nephrologist, considering the hyperkalemia, which is already present here, I may already consider introducing, initiating a potassium binder, uh, as, by the way, and we may discuss this later on, as this is now acknowledged by uh, guidelines, both kidney and, and cardiology heart failure guidelines. Yeah, so so uh, you, you suggest that uh, it is very important that we established a close collaboration between the heart failure specialist and the nephrologist uh, in, in order to uh, implement probably patiromer uh, as soon as possible. So, Tony, based on the clinical trial evidence, how should we manage these patients with FRF and diabetes? Patrick, for some reasons, this patient was not done what you suggested. So, RASI were discontinued, and particularly MRA was discontinued, and the patient came back more symptomatic with elevated natriuretic peptides and a potassium again of 5.8 with this renal dysfunction of 38. So what we think it's the appropriate thing to do now is to incorporate patiromer because it's the right proposed that you suggested. The evidence from the diamond is very robust. And by incorporating patiromer, what we know is that we get a 26% less likely to have MRAs reduced or discontinued and 35% less likely to have MRA discontinued. So it looks like by incorporating patiromer, we can do over the long term a good control of potassium. We did put uh, patiromer to this patient and the patient did go well because patiromer controlled potassium. But I would like to know your opinion and, and the importance of the interaction between cardiology and nephrology. Once uh, we have complex patients like these patients with heart failure, with CKD and with diabetes. Sure, Tony. I will mention that a dialogue between cardiologists and nephrologists is of utmost importance around because patients with heart failure are frequently presenting with CKD, with diabetes, and we really have to pay attention to any worsening in kidney function, which by itself may be associated with worse outcomes. That said, worsening in kidney function might be multifactorial, it might be to both dehydration, overhydration, and we have to keep in mind that we have to keep our patients on the highest tolerated dose of GDMT. And once again, uh, we have now the possibility, owing to the availability of new potassium binders, such as patiromer, as you nicely showed us, to get patients on the highest tolerated dose of GDMT whilst maintaining normal potassium, which we know is by itself associated with better outcomes. This is very interesting, uh, Patrick, because sometimes the approach to patients by cardiologists and by nephrologists is different. In our first approach would be uh, just to uh, increase diuretics and probably um, switch uh, RAS inhibitors. Now, with, uh, with your interaction, what... What you're telling us is that we should go for patiromer just from the very beginning, and, and that's, that's what we, we are we're starting to do. And, and this patient, in the second visit when patiromer was uh, initiated, uh, potassium uh, could be under good control. Uh, MRAs were 
again reinitiated at the high dose and sacubitril valsartan was again put up to the maximum tolerated dose. So I, I think that by in, incorporating patirumer, the patient did, um, did super good. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on Rich MD. I am Dr. Anthony Baez Jenis, and here with me today is Dr. Patrick Rossignol. We are discussing the importance of maintaining normokalemia on improving outcomes in patients with HEF-REF and diabetes. Well, I, I think that it is indeed an outstanding opportunity to get, uh, to get our patients optimized as soon as potassium is indeed normalized owing to the initiation of pratiromer, we may take advantage of this, of getting the patient uptitrated, something which certainly could not do before because the patient was initially presenting with hyperkalemia. But now that the patient is getting normalized owing to the initiation of pratiromer, we have now the possibility to get the patient further uptitrated. And we know from several trials that the highest the doses, the better the outcomes. Okay, so Tony, why is it important to avoid hyperkalemia when treating patients with FREF? And what is the impact of maintaining normal kalemia in these patients? Yeah, in, in, in heart failure, um, it is very important to avoid hyperkalemia because we know that uh, hyperkalemia tends to uh, push the doctors to reduce GDMT and particularly to reduce RASI. And this has an impact on the, on the patient and also on biomarkers, because we see very often that by reducing the GDMTs, uh, sometimes uh, NT-proBMP may be up or, or down, and, and this uh, is just conflicting the, the, the evolution of the patient. So uh, in, in, in my view, what we have to do is try to keep NT-proBMP as low as possible by maintaining GDMT as high as possible. And in this regard, uh, Pachyromer is a super good drug to keep GDMT, uh, as we know today, uh, at the maximum tolerated doses. Discontinuating RACI should be really the last resort after we have initiated a new potassium binder, such as you showed us with Pachyromer, and get the patient normalized. We should have uh, more chance to get the patient uptitrated with uh, RACI, and at least RACI maintained because we know for sure that RACI discontinuation is associated with worse outcomes. Hyperkalemia, RACI discontinuation is by itself associated with worse outcomes. So just initiate patiromer and get the GDMT uptitrated. Yeah, um, I, I think that if we have to discuss additional uh, aspects, Patrick, particularly related to costs, we need to remember that every time that a patient is admitted that is a burden for the healthcare system. So the cost of an admission is very significant. And the short and the long-term goals for us is always the same, is to keep the patient safe and at home with uh, potassium under control. And this we can do with introduction of patiromer. It is true that um, if, if the patient goes with uh, symptomatic hypotension, uh, then probably we need to play uh, with uh, the doses of uh, RASI to avoid inappropriate uh, dosaging. But in general, um, if we go uh, by slow titration, in our experience, that goes well. Uh, I may add that there are already several published uh, modelization uh, showing that uh, potassium normalization is associated 
with uh, cost, uh, with better management for uh, healthcare resources. But uh, even more importantly, avoiding hospitalizations is associated with better quality of life for our patients. And this is, of course, something we are all aiming at. Well, this has certainly been a fascinating conversation. But before we wrap up, Dr. Patrick Rossignol, can you share your one take-home message with our audience? Sure, Tony. We should aim at achieving the highest rated dose of GDMT. And for this purpose, we should take advantage of using Patiromer, as shown today, to get this enabled. Thank you, Patrick. My take-home message would be that there should be more interaction between cardiologists and nephrologists, number one. And number two, that we should consider potassium binders earlier to be able to keep GDMT at the highest recommended doses. And that's all the time we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening. And, and thank you, Dr. Patrick Rossignol, for joining me and for sharing all of your valuable insights. It was great speaking with you today. You're welcome, Tony. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Medtelligence. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash heart failure. Thank you for listening.